Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hollywood Life podcast with Bonnie Fuller and myself, Ali Stagnita. We are so excited to be bringing you this new iteration of the Hollywood Life podcast, where we are talking about the latest and greatest in Hollywood and beyond. So I am so excited to introduce the famous Bonnie Fuller, who is going to give us all of the royalty today, because she knows a thing or two about the royal family as she has had a long career in covering all things entertainment um, and, of course, Princess Diana. So let's talk Bonnie. Allie, I am so dying to talk about <laughs> uh, about Prince Harry and his new book, which is called Spare, his autobiography, and about all the controversy. And I do also want to um, say I am thrilled that we are expanding our podcast. And so we'll now be talking about the latest news stories of the week. And then for those of you who are listening, we've got a fabulous interview with Carly Lloyd coming up. And she's starring in Special Forces, new show on Fox, which I'm, oh, I watched one episode and I'm addicted to it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes, there is definitely, this is going to be a filled podcast with so much to listen to. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Um, So yeah, Bonnie, let's kick it off with all of this Prince Harry drama. He is, he's talking a lot. He has a lot to say. Boy, does he ever. And okay. I do have a history um with the royal family (laughs) um and that does give me a certain perspective and so I'll just put it out there I met Princess Diana twice and had a chance to talk with her on both occasions and you know first of all I've got to tell you she was just so beautiful so like effervescence effervescent, I should say, both times that I met her, I was just blown away because, of course, you know, I had seen photos of her and video of her and always had heard that, you know, she's very beautiful, like people who had met her. But pictures just didn't do her justice when you met her in person. I mean, the woman glowed and she just had this natural glow. Plus, she was so warm and friendly mm-hmm. both times that I, I was lucky enough to meet her. And the first time was when I was a I was a fashion journalist and I was covering the British fashion collections. Mm-hmm. And she had a reception for the press at Buckingham Palace. And she was greeting every single member of the press um, individually. And she had Prince William there. And he was only about five years old and he was in these little shorts and a white shirt and he was standing next to her and, you know, she just couldn't have been warmer and friendlier. And we chatted for a few minutes then. And then I met her again a few years later at a big uh, charity event here in New York that was organized by the editor in chief of Harper's Bazaar, who was a good friend of hers. And, you know, at that point, she had separated from Prince Charles so a lot had happened because when we met the first time, she she was giving sort of praise to Prince Charles to me. Right. And now she was a separated woman. And, you know, she just was one of those people that here she is, the center of global attention. Yeah. And yet she wanted to know about you and what you did and what your life was like. And so she wasn't like this self-centered person, super warm, friendly beautiful. And you know what? I, I really have empathy for Prince Harry. Yeah. And I know it's funny, every British person that I know 
or like person of English background. And I saw two in the last few days. Mm-hmm. They, I guess that doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, I know more than that, but I haven't right. seen two of them <laughs> in the last couple of days. In the last few days, that's a lot. Yeah. Both of them just hate Prince Harry and I Meghan. Know. Like they totally blame them for uh, destroying the royal family or for not being loyal. Like it's just, to me, I think Diana would be so upset mm-hmm. by everything that's going on. Like, but not by Harry being open and honest, by right. William really having pushed away his brother and refusing to accept Megan. Mm-hmm. I don't think she'd be surprised by Charles at all. No, I don't either. And the queen, even. I mean, you know, I think that we don't necessarily know what the queen did, but I think that she wouldn't be surprised by the royal institution's reaction. No. Oh, no. Because she was the biggest victim of that royal institution. Allie, did you happen to see his interview on, on 60 Minutes? I did. And, you know, I think that he's just had so many revelations. And, and when you talk about Diana and how warm she was, when you listen and, and just, you know, this glow that she gave off both you know, in beauty, but I am sure also just with her emotion and, and how she yeah, you felt her heart. You really yeah, did that. It makes even more sense to me why Harry is the way he is and the things that he's saying, because he suffered such a trauma with her loss, but it wasn't even almost like a loss of just his mom. It was like the loss of this like angelic, beautiful force in his life that and then to just have to go on and be normal and be again in the center of the global press must have just been even more traumatizing. So it makes sense to me why he is the way he is and why he's saying the things he's saying. Um, you know, I thought it was just, it was, it's heartbreaking. The story he told about um, not being able to cry uh, when after his mom had passed and, and how he felt immense guilt about that. Uh, I thought that it was heartbreaking. What about you? Yeah. And I think he truly is his mother's son mm-hmm. because as, as you brought up that, that he is not just battling his family, his close family members, he's really battling the, um, the institution of the crown, the firm as they call right. it. And all of these people, the courtiers, or the the people that are behind the scenes that work to keep it an institution with a certain image, and that they all, whether it's the people that work for them, or it's the actual members themselves, they have relationships with the the British tabloid press, which can just be vicious. And his mother was hounded by the British tabloid press. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, she died being chased by paparazzi, but before she died, she was hounded. Like they wrote about her constantly. They, they spread lies about her. And now he's saying that the same thing Mm -hmm. has happened to him and to Megan. And so, you know, he, I just feel he just has made a decision. I don't care if I don't talk to if my brother and my father never heal this rift, though he wants to have it healed. I don't care. I got to protect my wife, my children. I can't let the same thing that happened to my mom happen to them. Bonnie, I'm curious as a longstanding member of the press, what your thoughts are about these stories about him, him saying that like pretty much the Royal institution, the firm is in bed with the British tabloids and they plant these stories. You know, Camilla was planting stories about William and Harry to make herself look better when she and Charles were uh, just married to kind of fix that villainous image that she had and planting stories about William um, or or giving statements without Harry's consent. Like, what do you think about that? And and does the press have an obligation to, you know, like not tell the whole story? I don't think that any of us who live here in North America can on can really understand um the the first of all the breadth like how big that tabloid press culture is 
in Great Britain. I mean, it is just a beast that we don't have here. And I think maybe we're getting a little, we are sort of getting a bit of flavor of it now with the internet age and with when you have like the extreme right-wing media that just, and you have politicians that just like lie and make things up. But there, they've had this press, um, you know, since the 1910s, the 1920s. And that has made the royal family the center of their focus. And, you know, they they go after people like politicians and who are members of parliament and prime minister. And it's it's like it's not like the press um, sort of the ideal of what the press is supposed to be, where you're there to report facts and to um, you know make clear what what is fact, what is fiction, and that opinion is separated mm-hmm. from facts and fiction. There, it's just they don't. All it is is about just selling papers, or I guess now digital, getting clicks, and they will that. say they just will say anything. We really still don't have that same kind of tabloid culture here. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's hard for us to understand. Do I think that they shouldn't do that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, as a journalist, yeah, I would never want to just be printing all of the, like all kinds of things that I had no idea of whether they were true or just acting as a mouthpiece for one right. member of the Royal family. Who's in a feud with another member. I wouldn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's, it goes against at least the U.S. standard of journalism, journalism yes. ethics for sure. Now there have, they have, listen, they've got great papers there you know, yeah. in the Times of London. Like they have great papers that don't do that, but they also have multiple tabloid newspapers, which we don't have anymore. Right. Now there have been a lot of reports. Um, and also Harry has spoken out about the fact that he does want to reconcile with William and Charles, and he has hopes for reconciliation. Um, but he says they're not answering. And then there's this report from the Telegraph that says Charles does want to make amends also with his son. Do you think it's too little too late? Like, are do are they ever going to talk again? I kind of feel like William is is probably like tapped out. Well, if if King Charles wants to talk to his son and it, it it's his son, he has right. two sons. Mm-hmm. He can pick up the phone and call him. Like, yeah. He doesn't have to tell the telegraph or have somebody at the, at in his team tell the telegraph. He can he can speak to his son himself. I don't really buy this idea that Charles and William are too scared to speak with with Harry because then that'll be leaked by them. I just I don't really buy that mm-hmm. because I feel like again, like what, what Prince um, Harry said, he, uh, in his interview on um, CNN, no, 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 I'm sorry, on 60 Minutes, um, he already tried to make amends and to have conversations very privately. And it didn't work that either it would be leaked or they refused to have them. And so I, I don't, I mean, I feel like, they can set up a private communication that won't be leaked. I don't, I don't with you. I'm not sure what it would take for he and, and William to reconcile or what it's really in William's court. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that William is furious with all of these revelations. I mean, there's a lot of really personal revelations there. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, the one that really keeps standing out to me is the, um, is, Prince Harry recalling the physical altercation that he yeah. and William got into. And really, you know, I mean, the, the physical altercation in and of itself was shocking, but really it was the aftermath that stood out to me that, you know, Harry had him get out and they have this whole spat. And then, you know, a day later, there's a a statement in the paper that say says that Prince Harry and Prince William refute the, uh, the rumors of a brotherly feud, everything is right and well, and they, you know, are completely fine. And Prince William respects Prince Harry's decision to step away from royal duties. And Harry was like, I didn't even get a, a phone call. Nonetheless, yeah. like know that, that a statement was being given on my behalf. So 
I see Harry's side and wanting to set the record straight on a lot of these things that have been printed. Like anybody would want to clear their name of untrue of untruths. At the same time, I do see William's side and, and just the Royal Institution side of like airing your dirty laundry out for everybody to read and see in a docu-series and then a memoir <laughs> yeah. and then a this and then a that and a sit down with Oprah. And so, you know, I kind of, I, I think that the dust would have to settle for them to then be able to get together and Harry show that he can be kind of trusted, I guess, by his family to to not then go on Anderson Cooper and be like, and I had to sit down with my brother. And he said that, because even though it's good things, like they probably just don't want it to be talked about. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Harry has taken the view that sunshine is the best disinfectant and that he has made a decision that he just can't live with all the all the hidden secrets. And that he wants to take and that there's been so much that's put out there. I mean, every time I think before the book came out, before the docuseries, before you even heard about them, every time I would think, okay, it's going to settle down between this family. Like they're going to back off. You're going to stop hearing stories about Megan. All of a sudden something else would appear in the press, some other story about her. And so I could see that from his point of view, He's like, you know what? It's never going to end. They're just never going to leave us alone. We tried to escape. I'm at, I'm at least going to set the record straight. Tell my story, my perspective, get it out there and let the chips fall. Because the way things are going, we're not going to reconcile anyway. Mm-hmm. True. And I guess we will have to see uh, what happens there. Spare comes out on January 10th. Bonnie, are have you pre-ordered it? Are you ready to read it? <laughs> I have not pre-ordered it, but I fully intend to download it tomorrow when it comes out. I am going to read every single page. What about you, Allie? I want to, but at the same time, I'm like, well, first of all, I kind of want like an audio book. Like I want him to read it to me. <laughs> I want the stories in his words. He's got a I nice know, voice, doesn't he? Has he? A nice voice, right? Mm. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, what else can be in that book that we don't already know? Like so many excerpts have been released. I'm like, what else does he say? Because there's already some crazy stuff. So I'm of course going to definitely dig into it. I think that there'll be more, and I think there'll be more that really sheds light and context yes, on, on his life and on why certain things happen. And also a lot more about his relationship with his mother. I thought it was so sweet. I know you want to, I know you want to move on, but oh, no, I can, I can talk about it all things. day. Uh, <laughs> I can talk about it all day. Is, you know, I just thought, like, didn't you think when you're listening to him talk about his mummy? and mom. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know, the world knows her as princess Diana, but that was his mummy. Yeah. Mother well, that loved and nurtured him and cuddled him and kissed him and made him feel better. Yeah, I know. And that's why, like, I, it, I understand why he is the way he is and the feelings and the emotions and why he's done what he's done because, because of her and because of the trauma and the loss. And, um, you know, something that also stood out to me. He told this, the, that crazy story about how he took Megan's laughing gas when she was oh, giving yeah. to Archie, which, uh, um, but I was like, well, really? Yeah, I was like, come on, well, Harry, they don't give it to you here in the hospital. Right. Also, they like, like, Harry, you're standing there holding her hands, like, relax, you know, that's just such like <laughs> male toxicity. But, um, in that he described the like room that Megan was giving birth in and they had like electric candles lit and they had a picture of Diana. Yeah. In the room. And that was so touching. And just, you know, I think that he has, I guess what I think is that he has lived his life with King Charles seemingly trying to forget her and to move on and to replace and to live out his life and how he has wanted to live it out. And Harry has fought against that every single moment of his life by trying to keep her memory alive and trying yeah. to remember her and trying to keep her present. And maybe Megan real was the one to make him realize that like he no longer had to stand by and watch, you know, this happen. He had a choice. 
Well, Ali, think about it. I mean, you can relate it to your own family and situation is that he and his brother were the only two who were her children and who truly loved her. His father never loved her. His father used her because he needed, he had to make a match and he wasn't allowed to marry the woman that he really loved, which was who was Camilla. And so Charles never loved her. He and William were the only two who shared that kind of love. And yet, and he wanted, according to him, he wanted to be really close with his brother and kind of share um, a really strong relationship. And then even in school, he talks about how his brother, they were at the same school, pushed him away and said, no, 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 here, you got to pretend we don't even know each other. Like, I guess his brother needed to have his own identity too. So right, pushed him away. I mean, it's sort of typical teenage brother. Yeah. Yeah. But that the one other person that knew his mom the way he did and, and loved her like 150%, he can't share that with. That must be really right. hard. Really hard. And, and you know, I, I thought something that was very interesting. And, you know, when there's, my grandfather always said, there's always two sides to the paper, no matter how thin. And <laughs> I think for a very long time, we've heard these stories. We've heard royal experts with sources and things like that. And, um, you know, you think back to when Harry wore the Nazi uniform. Mm-hmm. And a royal expert at that time had said that William had told him to wear the the uniform. And then right after they completely separated William and him from each other with that and said, it was all Harry, you know, William did not do that, condemns it, this whole thing. And at that time, the expert had said that this was the first time and, and the first of a many spats between the two. And that's, kind of like when the first wedge was drawn between William and Harry and when Harry realized that this was going to be a thing, that William was always going to be the protected one and Harry And so that was that moment. And throughout his life, I think that Harry's, Harry's seen that and noticed that. And so what I thought was very interesting was when that story that Harry told was released, was revealed in his memoir, it's, it was right up there with that expert source. And it was the, it was the truth. I mean, and that's what I will take as as truth, you know, if a few people are saying it um, and, and the source is saying it. So I thought it was really interesting that like these stories from Harry's mouth now were coming to to light and, and you know, that things date back far, far before Megan, who everybody. Yes, plays. exactly. Which I is guess. what he said. Yes. That is not my wife who tore us apart. That's not fair that there were the issues beforehand. So listen, we just have a few minutes, but let's just talk for those couple minutes about Kylie and Travis splitting again over the news coming out over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not really, there was, there's no information like at Hollywood life, we're digging into what happened, but I'm not really surprised because these two have, I don't know if it's because of Travis have just not been able to make that full commitment to each other, despite having two kids together. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. It's almost like three years to the date that they had reconciled um, their first, the first time around. And, you know, I think that they're both young. I mean, at least Travis is older than, older than Kylie, but she's 25. Gosh, she's young. And like, they're still growing up despite having two kids already. And I think, you know, not that I think that she wants to like go out and crazy and live a single life, but I just think that there's, there's just like some differences of, of growing and you've got to grow apart to grow together. And do I think it's the last time we'll see them together? Absolutely not. Um, But, you know, I think that they, they are on and off all the time. And that's what the split report had even stated that they go back and forth. Um, Now, listen, something that I do think is interesting, Bonnie, is that. Oh, Yes. Kylie, Kendall, Chloe, and Kim are all single right now. Right. So I've been a long time since then. Yes. They've all been single. mm -hmm. I think that is going to make for a very interesting 2023 because I think (laughs) there are going to be a lot of dating rumors that we are going to be covering. Whether that is a very, very good point. Yep. So, um, I mean, it must, like, I, Listen, Chris Jenner can't really worry because 
her girls are all set up. And I mean, of course, Rob is single too. So yeah, almost all her kids are single, but they're all set up. They don't have to worry about money um, and and taking care of their kids. But still to have that many adult children that aren't in settled long-term relationships must, as a mother, somewhat concern her. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure she just wants them to be happy. And I will say that I doubt Kim was happy with Kanye. Chloe definitely wasn't happy with Tristan. Uh, I don't really know what happened with Kendall and Devin, but you know, I think that she probably wants them to also be with good people. So, you know, I'm sure that they will find somebody. (laughs) There are several eligible bachelors wanting, uh, getting in line for them. Yeah. And talk about eligible young women. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, <laughs> they're at the top of a list. They really Hollywood. are. Now, Bonnie, before we go today, I want to talk just super quick. What content are you ingesting right now? Are you loving? Have you watched this week uh, that you want to tell our listeners about? Okay. I recommend a series called His Dark Materials, which I discovered recently starring uh, James McAvoy and Ruth Ruth Wilson. And the young woman is Daphne Keene. I'd never heard of her before, but I I was obsessed. My my husband and I, we were addicted to it. And we've now, we just finished it last week. I think it was, was it just two, two years or three? I don't know. I couldn't stop going. So it's on HBO Max. So I would definitely recommend that. What about you, Allie? Sounds like a good one. Um, My fiance and I were a little late to the game, but we have recently started Yellowstone. (laughs) And we finished season one and have gone on to season two. um, And we are loving Yellowstone right now, I will say. But on our list to watch is Kaleidoscope, which everybody is talking about on Netflix. Apparently, you can watch it in any order. It is any order, like you can rearrange it. Netflix gives you a different order than they'll give the person, you know, across the street from you. And it's a very interesting concept. Um, it's about a money heist, uh, a group that is trying to pull off a heist and uh, some things go awry. So that's definitely on our list. Once we finish season two of Yellowstone, we'll take a little break, I think. Well, I, I, I will put that on my list, but I'm embarrassed to say this. But I'm soon going to be caught up because my next one is White Lotus. I had only watched the first episode a while ago, like, you know, back when it started. And for some reason, just didn't get right into it. But now I have so many friends that are so loving it, including actually my own daughters. So that's what I'm going to start next. Bonnie, I did the same exact thing as you. So we can do it together. (laughs) I watched one episode and was like, eh. And so now I have to go back and do it again. So we can do that. We'll do that. And we'll, then we'll come back and talk about it. Yes. Then we will discuss. <laughs> okay, guys. So thanks so much for tuning in to our news, new news section. Now stay tuned to listen to our interview with the fabulous soccer legend, Carly Lloyd. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You probably know her name from the world of soccer and then from the new series special forces so bonnie i'm going to let you do the introductions today great thank you i am so excited for our guest today and i have so much to ask her about (laughs) so much but listen everybody welcome are a superstar and legend soccer player and just leader um, Carly Lloyd. Hi there. Great to chat with you guys today. Great to chat with you. And um, you you had a very big night last night with the premiere of Special Forces 
World's Toughest Test on Fox. And you are one of the 16 cast members of that show. And I watched it. It was two hour premiere. It was incredible. And I am totally in awe of you. You guys were being trained and given tasks by members of the special forces to do these, I mean, just incredibly scary and demanding tasks. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Uh, well, it was incredible. I mean, it, it was a life-changing experience for myself. And and I know I can speak uh, about all the other 15 uh, recruits that we all walked away, um, you know, better than when we first came into that show. And um, it was great to finally see it all put together. You know, this has kind of been a long time coming. We filmed uh, this in Jordan, in the desert, in the beginning of June. And uh, we've had, you know, a, a ways to to kind of wait for this to all come out. And we all didn't know how it was going to be put together. I mean, they they filmed us 24-7. They filmed us when we slept. We were mic'd up 24-7, aside from showering and sleeping. Um, and it was just incredible to to see just the bravery in the first two episodes of, you know, these high profile celebrities who were raw, who were real, who got emotional. Um, and that's exactly what this environment did for all of us. It made us shed layers of ourselves and really come to terms with our fears and demons that we may have been facing. And it was, you know, just something that is just, I'll remember forever to have this experience. And I've always been um, huge on the men and women who have served and who risk their lives, who sacrifice their time with their families at home, doing what they do. Um, this just elevated that even more. I mean, words don't describe, you know, what these men and women do. Um I've always been kind of labeled as this hero, you know, oh, you're such a hero. You win championships and you do this and do that. You know, no, I'm not a hero by any means. You know, the men and women who serve, who risk their lives, like I said, the special forces. I mean, all of these people go out there every single day and, and have to risk so much. So I have a huge amount of respect and it was great. And it's the crazy thing about it is it's only going to get more intense and more well, listen, you you were there and as you said with celebrities if there were people like Jamie Lynn Spears who they're not athletes like you're an a- athlete and there were athletes like Mike Piazza and Dwight Howard and yet you're put in these I mean I'm afraid of heights they had you guys walking across a rope strong like 300 feet up in the air between two canyons and you're walking on this one rope holding on to another rope and sliding across how how did you do that <laughs> like i know you didn't like only two cast members made it the full way the others all fell luckily you're all roped in but how did you even overcome your fears enough to step out on that rope you don't have an option. It's either, it's either do it and do it to the best of your ability or voluntarily withdraw, you know? So that's, that's the emotion that you can, that, that, that comes through your mind. I mean, you saw the chef Tyler, um, he didn't even want to attempt it for whatever reason. So he, he handed in his, his number. Um, all of us, you know, it's not something we probably all liked or enjoyed, but you go up there, you get the instructions, you follow the instructions and you just try your best. And, uh, you know, Gus Kenworthy, Danny Amendola and Nastia Lukin, you know, were the three that, that got across. Um, you know, that was, that was incredible. Um, it, it was physically, I would say for me, it wasn't, as scary as, as it kind of looked because you can't look down. You have to look straight out. Right. You look down, you're going to lose your balance. Mm-hmm. So you're not looking down. You're just trying to be in sync with your movements. Um, you can't lift your foot up mm-hmm. off the tightrope. Um, and as you get closer to the middle, it gets harder and more wobblier. So that's when the lactic acid builds up in your arms 
um, I got to a point where I just, I couldn't grip the, the, um, the tight, the, the rope anymore. I couldn't, I just, my fingers just, just burned and my arms burned and then, you know, that was it, but I was proud of my effort and, you know, everybody else should be proud as well. But yeah, I think, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing all these celebrities in just a raw, real emotional state. And, um, it's, it's unlike anything that any of us have ever been on, you know, no one's seen Jamie Lynn Spears, this emotional and real and raw. And I think it's, it's awesome that we are. Did, you know, Bonnie mentioned, and then you had mentioned like these professional athletes, you guys are going through this new level of training. If at all, did your career prepare you for anything that you went through on special forces? A hundred percent. Yeah. I would say that, you know, kind of the, the mindset of needing to be an athlete, a professional athlete and the mindset needed to be in the military in whatever capacity and, and the special force forces are the one percenters. I mean, they, there's not many people that make it through the selection course and that's for a reason because what they do is just insane. Um, And it takes a, a special individual to be wired that way. But there was a lot of crossover that I felt from, um, you know, physical, physical component, mental component, um, just the way that, that you kind of have to channel your emotions. Um, and so not that it, it felt easy for me, but it was like, I just, I went there. I just tried to do whatever I was being told to do, follow the instructions, um, and do the best that I can. And so I think that it definitely kind of prepares you, but it's not to say that, somebody who's not a professional athlete, like can't do this as you're seeing mm-hmm. other people can do this. And I think that's, what's really special about it is you're just, you're, you're peeling back these layers of yourself that um, are constantly kind of pushing you past your own barriers. Mm-hmm. Now, was there, a, sorry, was there, a ta- was there one of the tasks that pushed you even more beyond, or that was like just the toughest test for you? Because I can see that the kind of focus that you have to have when you're in a game and not to allow all the screaming and shouting and score to derail you from your best play. But I mean, I they have a preview for, I guess, next episode where they put you in a car and you're in a seatbelt and then they put you in the water and they literally let all the water come in and you have to escape from the car underwater and that just seemed seems completely terrifying. Was that the hardest thing? Were there other? Was there anything else that like took you most to the edge of what you thought you could do? Um. Yeah. Next episodes, I, I am almost uh, positive we'll be showing that that car plunge. Um, and my panic moment. Uh, which, you know, you don't you don't realize those moments are going to come. Um, they just kind of happen. I, I was on the swim team till I was 18. I don't have a fear of water. Um, I'm comfortable swimming. I was comfortable, you know, back diving out of the helicopter into water. Um, you know, what, what triggered me is, is I was in a snowstorm driving my car down to the Jersey shore and I hit a patch of black ice and I went all the way across the the road over into the side of the road, which was some tidal water. And my car started to fill up with water. I totaled my car. And, you know, I, I think that that was a trigger for me. And, um, you know, that, that is a real life experience, you know, that, that could happen. And, um, that's the, the DS's message to all of us, which you'll probably see next episode is, is, of course, this is a, you know, a training course that we're doing, but this is, this is a real life circumstance where people have gone off into the water and it's like, what are you going to do? You, you can't panic in that certain situation and you have to calm yourself down. So I think that's the biggest thing that's different. You know, I played on numerous teams and you need your teammates and you need people around you to support you. And if you're not really having the best of your game, you know, someone else can, can kind of fill that void. But with, with this, you know, this, this is just you, this is you and your thoughts, you in that moment. And 
that's what they're testing. They're testing to see the ones who can mentally withstand um, some of these you know, wild moments. Mm-hmm. It is such a mental test and, you know, just the balance of the two. Did you do any preparation prior to coming on to the show or, or going to Jordan? I did. Yeah. I sp- probably spent a month and a half really training, you know, really kind of lifting heavier weights than I normally would um, when I was prepping for soccer, um, you know, running, um, kayaking, even camping, I spent a night out camping just to kind of get myself, you know, a little outdoorsy. Um, and, uh, you know, most, the most, most thing I, I did was run with a weighted vest so I would go on some longer runs and just, and run, um, just to get used to that because our, our, uh, our Bergen was about 30, 30 pounds. So it always had to be weighed in at 30 pounds, um, which was, which was tough. Yeah. Different. Yeah. I know. I thought about, uh, I thought about you guys, like, as I'm watching you, that you are running in the desert. I'm assuming it's pretty hot and you're fully clothed and you're carrying packs and you are telling us you prepared. I mean, you're you're an athlete already and you've spent, you know, years and years of being conditioned and you are running with with celebrities that don't have that kind of conditioning. I was just amazed they could even do it. How did you bond or, or who are you kind of surprised that you bonded with? Like I saw, you know, Hannah Brown, for example, the bachelorette was was there. And I I thought she was very effusive in trying to help some of the other contestants. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were told before we started the show that we were all going to become very vulnerable and start sharing things with one another. Like we had known each other our whole lives and we're like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that first day um, we all did because we were all suffering. And everybody was suffering in different ways. Um, Some were suffering more, you know, some were missing their kids at home, like Jamie Lynn and um, and Beverly Mitchell. Um, It's hard. I mean, nothing, nothing is comfortable. You know, you don't know when you can eat breakfast. You don't know when you can wake up. We have no alarms. You don't know when you're having lunch. You don't know what task you're going to do. You don't know when you're going to be called upon. Um, We were calorie, calorie deprived, sleep deprived. Um, you don't know when you can shower. You don't know when you can even go to the bathroom, when you're going to go to bed. Um, you don't know anything and you have to surrender yourself to not being in control and just roll with the punches. Um, and so <clears throat> I think in, in different moments, um, you know, I got closer with, with different people. Um, and, you know, my, my little area where my cot was, you know, I was across from Mel B. I was next to Montel Jordan, across from from Gus Kenworthy. Um, and, you know, so so we kind of had our little section down there. Um, I feel like Dwight was kind of the middle guy who was just keeping us all, you know, he was having some fun, you know, mm-hmm. when we were in our 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 barracks, um, just making us all laugh and and helping us through. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hannah Brown, um, just so, you know so surprised by her. Um, she's not labeled as an athlete, but you know, she, she's been doing great and Beverly Mitchell, you know, I think this has been, been hard for her to just be out of character, um, and, and show the real, real her. Um, and you know, she's stronger than she thinks. And I think that's what you kind of saw by the end of episode two is that, she felt like she needed to put herself last as the weakest one, but in fact, she's not the weakest one. And so that was truly powerful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been cool. I think you're going to kind of see the the bonds that, that people have formed kind of all throughout the stages. And it just kind of depended on that particular moment, you know, who was, who was next to one another and, and who was, was helping. Now, I bet one thing that you really would have liked to have help you was the Simbody Vertigun, which is a hands-free massage gun that you've helped design. And I I imagine that would have been so great for you to feel on your muscles. Some recovery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you were out there. There, there was no recovery going on in, in this place. <laughs> um, 
as you kind of got a little glimpse, um, I had, I hurt my knee in the second episode. So I was, uh, kind of, there was a quick flash to me, um, icing my knee and that was all we were able to kind of get, um, and not ice around the clock. It was just, if you were lucky, you got ice once a day. Um, so there were no recovery tools there. There was, you know, no, you know, foam rolling, no vertigun. Um, I would have liked to have had a vertigun around to, I think we all would have to, uh, help our bodies feel a lot better, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great to, to team up with somebody, you know, I think that the products that, you know, the, the two existing products, the vertiball and vertiroller, I've been using um, a ton and now with the Vertigun um, self, you know, handheld massager, um, it doesn't get much better than that. I think we all prefer somebody else to do the massaging versus us having hold. Um, So I've been, you know, thrilled to kind of be part of this, part of the design. It's, you know, was began 18 months ago and there's testing, tinkering, um, more than I think like 20 different existing devices to make sure we kind of got it right. Um, so yeah, it's, I think the biggest thing you want is you, you want it to be powerful, right? You want it to, to kind of get into those spots where you kind of can't get into, got the attachment, um, that you can, you know, put it on a wall and, um, let it go and, and massage you. So it's easy to use, very easy to use. It's cost effective. Um, yeah, I mean, because you you can't always get out to a therapist to yeah. a massage, like some kind of therapist, physical therapist, to do that for you. How important is it for um, everybody who works out, like other women, men who are listening to us talking, to like to also focus on recovering your muscles, like using a massage gun like this, as as well as working out. I think it's important. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, sometimes I find obviously when I played, you know, I was getting one to two massages in-person massages a week. Um, now I'm lucky if I, if I do one, one every six months, it's just, mm. it's just kind of how, how it ends up working out. So I think you kind of, I played soccer for a living and had to make sure my body was feeling great at all times. And so it's easy to then care for it. But I think as the average human being, we tend to take care of a lot of other things and not take care of ourselves as much. And you then start to kind of run into these problems as you get a little older and maybe you're, you know, sitting down at your, your desk a little too much and having all these kinks in your back, neck, all these things. So it's, it's something as quick and easy, you know, with the vertigon to, to just use if you're feeling something and it doesn't have to be, you know, 20 minutes at a time. It, mm-hmm. You could literally hit a spot for, you know, a few minutes and then, you know, go back, pop back to your emails and, you know, go back again or somewhat. So I still find that even though I'm, you know, not working out as much, um, but trying to stay active that, these little things, these little recovery strategies, um, even the vertiball and vertiroller, you know, really, they really do kind of still keep me, keep me ticking. Um, I've even, you know, gotten my husband on them as well. He's finally, I think after like 20 years, it's like, wow, like some of this stuff does work. Like the, the <laughs> he's rolling a out. golfer, right? Um, yeah. he, he was in the golf business. Yeah. Oh, I see. Not, not on the PGA. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's he's even into it now, and I'm like, yeah, just just trust me. I've I've done it for a living. It works, and he's bought in. So I think you know you you kind of just need to get over that hump of you know believing that it actually does work and help. What lessons did you learn from the special forces experience, from your soccer experience, that you could? like, like to tell our listeners about kind of life and about, you know, what can, uh, keep you going or motivate you, especially in a tough time. Um, I would say, you know, I think for my career, I think, you know, what people, the first thing people ask me is, is like, what was your favorite part of your career? Um, I can't pick one. I think the whole journey altogether, the, 
you know, the, 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 the process, you know, everything that I had to go through, I think everything that was put in my journey allowed me to be who I was as a player and a person. And now, you know, after having finished my career, my career prepared me for this next phase of my life. And, you know, I was very results driven. Um, it was either, you know, I've succeeded or I failed type thing in my, in my sport and my profession and doing the special forces with some of the tasks that we had to do, um, which you either passed or you failed. Um, you know, when, when you don't pass as many of those, you, you start to kind of sink into your, into yourself and, and feel like a failure in a, in a, a sense, but you're missing the bigger picture of, you know, kind of what life is all about. And that is just kind of surrendering yourself to the process of life, you know, not being so hung up on the destination and, and really just embracing each and every moment, each and every day. And so that show and sort of the ending of my career allowed me to be in the moment more to let go a little bit more and and just surrender myself to try not to worry a whole lot about the future and what's to come because you know we we all don't know the endings of every chapter in our life and I think that's the beauty of of life is just being able to to live through the process and make mistakes fail get back up again and and just keep learning even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One quick question, because I know that you've got to get going. Are there, Can we expect to see you commentating for the Women's World Cup in August? Um, I think, yeah, there's a possibility. I, I, you know, I definitely would love to to be there to be part of it. Um, it is quickly approaching. So um, I think, you know, it was a great opportunity at the Men's World Cup to to kind of get my feet wet into in the TV space. I enjoyed it, enjoyed working for Fox Sports. Um, so there's, you know, definitely always a possibility of of that happening. Amazing. Well, we can't wait to see you um cover cover these things in a new capacity, um, be a part of the tournament in a new capacity this year. And we'll continue to root for you on special forces. Um, and excited to see all that you do at CES at uh, in Las Vegas with Simbody. Right. And where, where can somebody get Sim, uh, Simbody for the gun? How do they get one? Do you want, does Jake want to chime in there or Simbody.com? So I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Simbody.com. S Y M B O D I. Great. Okay. And, and everyone can tune in to see you on Fox on Wednesday evenings, I think at nine o'clock to watch you on special forces. Thank you so much for coming to join us on the Hollywood life podcast. We wish you all the best of luck. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.